All right, let's talk about Clash on the Coast 3.0. That's right, 3.0 Clash on the Coast. You know, guys, know how excited I was for this show, and 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 I think we all were really, really, really excited, like we were every single year for this show. Listen, it's a groundbreaking event. This is one of the greatest introductions of a new promotion in the strongman community when it happened three years ago. And I've been lucky enough now to be down there two years in a row to be a part of this event, and I wouldn't miss it for the world. I think it's, I think it's the right thing to do to start this review off because, as many of us know out there, and we'll get to this in a minute, that Clash on the Coast is no more. The brand Clash on the Coast is rebranding to another name, and we'll get onto that in a minute. And this third edition of Clash was the final show of Clash. So, the Clash. So the history of Clash now was in this three-show bubble. And we'll talk about it forever. We really will. A lot of historic things happen. But I think we need to give thanks to Anthony Furman, first and foremost, um, without a doubt. And listen, there were some bumps and bruises along the way in three years, and there was a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of contention, uh, hopefully not a lot of animosity. There were some things that happened, and, uh, you know, ultimately we were all a bit concerned with sort of the reputation of Clash and how it was going to move forward. And obviously now it's been determined that it was just better to sort of rebrand everything and move forward with a better idea because Clash kind of spawned a new way of doing things. So maybe it served its purpose, but I don't think it should ever be not mentioned in the same breath with Anthony Furman and what he did for the sport of strongman and how I think how loving that guy is towards everybody in this sport and to use his phrase, a seat at the table. Everybody's got a seat at the table. And it was his brainchild to come up with this event and to bring it to all of us. And, of course, I'll always be thankful for Anthony letting me participate uh, you know, in that show last year and having an opportunity to interview him and have fun with him when it came to his excitement for the sport of strongman, which I know he always has and is sharing a lot even still today. And uh, I, I think sometimes, you know, there's a bury the hatchet scenario. I don't want to bring up anything that I don't know in this, this strongman community out there, but I think it's safe to say that, uh, you know, we're moving forward now with a different look of Clash, but we could all give thanks to Anthony Furman and, and, and starting something new and giving our community an opportunity to embrace something that we knew was going to lend to the success of our sport. So I, I want to say that first and foremost. I don't think it's said enough, and I think sometimes through all sort of the, the drama of this sport, which, boy, strongman's got a ton of drama, doesn't it? It really does. For as small as our sport is, fuck, there's a ton of drama. But in any case, uh, I think it's safe to say that we all can say thank you, uh, Anthony Furman, for uh, you know bringing Clash and making it what it was and now providing a, uh, that platform to move on with this new opportunity that Tyler Purdue is pursuing, and that is with the uh, Pro Strongman League. And, of course, you know we should thank Tyler as well. And I'm going to give him a special thanks here in a different way. Tyler, of course, has been a part of Clash since its conception. But more importantly, I think we can recognize Tyler as a true professional when it comes to the way that he promotes the show. And I think a lot of us that were behind the scenes and seen, you know, sort of the stress of what it takes to get a show like this done and try to move it forward, even though there's this sort of undercurrent of uncertainty, and I think it's fair to say that now, that he never let on, not even for a minute, that you know this new change was going to take place and that you know there was a new idea that was coming around and to take anything away from what was going on with clash at the moment and that's just being a true professional because he had work to do there was a job to be done 
and there are athletes to take care of. There was a, an event to promote and put as much energy and excitement behind that event. Ash Clash on the coast this year and what he did. So uh, I, I think that's got to be recognized as well. I think, uh, you know, we can give, we should give a lot of thanks to a lot of people in our sport. And those two are on the top of my head right now because I think ultimately uh, what they provided for the community with the Clash now going into this pro strongman league is going to be really something special. And not just the 105 thing anymore, right? The, the the original concept of this. And as they brought in the other classes in 82s, now I think this pro strongman league now is going to shed a spotlight brightly on all these classes moving forward. And it's going to be really interesting to see the way that that's all put together to uh, provide that sort of unique competition and spectating opportunity for all of us out there that love the sport. So, uh, yeah, can't wait. I got a big interview coming up with Tyler. I know he did one, but I've got a lot of questions uh, and a lot of, uh, you know, got me guys. I'll play a little devil's advocate as well. So we'll see what's going on with that pro strongman league. But moving on to Clash, great event, as we all know, every single year. Listen, it was nothing short of fantastic this year, albeit I will say there were some there were some one-offs, uh, a couple technical issues, you know, these glitches, right? They're hard to manage, and uh, I think ultimately it, it makes little difference in the what and how we all appreciated the show, viewed it, and thought that uh, we had the highest quality of talent at a show again that we all got an opportunity to spectate and just appreciate. So let me just say that before I get on and anybody says, oh, quit bitching about this or that. Although I was a guest there and I was uh, given the opportunity to be there, you guys know I'm going to tell you the way I, I I'm going to give it to the way I saw it. So uh, the competition was great. Thirty guys that all deserve to be there. Um, some new faces, some fresh faces, some young guys that are going to be the future of the 105 class. Mark my words. We're going to see guys like Vince Wilkinson and John Alimo, and we're going to see guys like uh, Tim Mikowski and Matt Powell and. If I'm missing anybody, it's just because I interviewed those guys for good reason. I wanted to chat with them because they impressed me. They impressed me by their ability. And, of course, uh, a couple of them made the finals, by the way. And and just their, I guess they're just overall demeanor, man. John is a perfect example of that. Alimo is one of those guys that we could all be happy he's going to be representing the 105 class moving forward. If he can stay in the 105 class, he's a big kid. Uh, but he was a great guy, and I interviewed him as well. So there's a certain excitement about the future of this sport. Guys like Bill Kendall coming up and others in the 105 class that we saw at the Arnold and we saw as OSG. Uh, we've got a, a a really, really cool sort of look into the future of what we're going to see, particularly in the 105 class last weekend. Now, the rest of the guys, of course, are household names, right? O'Connor and Nelson and uh, Mays and Provisano and uh, Clayton and Hughes and McKeegan and the list goes on and on and on. And those are the guys we expected to see in the final. We saw some of them there. We saw a couple of them that barely made it, uh, which is no knock on anybody because this show is stacked. And there's always that one off, right? Like, oh, shit, I can't believe so-and-so didn't make it. I uh, can't always have a perfect uh, qualifier, a perfect day leading into the second day or hoping to get there, that is. And then, of course, we had some other one-offs, which were really interesting. Uh, the tire flip on the first day qualifier. It took five guys, four or five guys out with a blown bicep. I think it's unprecedented. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that in any event in the history of strongman, <laughs> honestly. I think Panda made mention the 2019 Arnold blowing everybody's hamstring out on the Elfin Bar deadlift, I think it was. Yeah, I don't I mean, geez, yeah, that might be true, but this was pretty unprecedented for sure. Uh, five guys with a bicep injury and maybe four and, and one was kind of going into it with that. The tire got him, and I would make an argument, of course, in the last year that we need to bring tire back to these events 
I know some of you guys have done that. And I know others are kind of now looking at this going, okay, maybe that's not a good idea. Of course, I think some of these guys would tell you, listen, the reason they blew their biceps out or maybe they didn't train enough on it or, you know, when you're using a different tire and you got to find that grip and then the grip gets too far inside and I don't have to give you a tutorial on the tire, but it can be sort of an enigma and certainly can lead to the injury with that. I think some other guys that are kind of murmuring a little bit, the the the, the who's who behind the scenes are saying maybe it had something to do with the water cut, right? 105's guys like the water cut. They go in, their tendons and ligaments are a little drier, uh, that sort of thing. I guess that could be an argument as well. But in any case, it was a one-off. To have five guys, which is essentially 15% of an entire field, knock themselves out on the same implement with the same type of injury, uh, yeah, just crazy to see. Um, but the event started off, we had 12 guys. We had a little bit of a sort of some drama leading in off the qualifier into the second day. And that wasn't show drama, uh, so to speak, anyhow, or logistical or production drama. That was the fact that we had a three-way tie in heat number three, uh, which we never see in a six-man heat, a three-way tie for second place. That's crazy. I mean, you can play that back any way you want. I'm not so sure you can get there statistically over and over again. It's, it's kind of a one-off for sure. So we had three guys, and the two guys on the bubble in that were McKeegan and, and uh, Bob Schwantz, Matt McKeegan and Bob Schwantz. So we were actually waiting to see the way this would play off. The idea, of course, in a lot of shows as well, we'll do a count back, right, or a tiebreaker. A first tiebreaker is doing that sort of points count back as to who got more first place, second place, third place, that kind of thing. I think we can all argue there's probably not a place for that type of uh, tiebreaker and strongman. There's just not. There are guys out there that win shows over and over and over again that contend every show by never taking a first place in any any show. And to give a guy a reward if he took first in one event and fifth in five events, of course, he probably wouldn't be in second place. I know what you guys are saying out there. But I'm glad we didn't do that anyhow. So the second option, of course, and probably not an option here either, was to do a tiebreaker with the sixth event. I don't think that's fair either. You're not going to give guys the sixth event when they have to compete the next day. Uh, that, of course, is going to take something out of the tank. And at the same time, if you're not going to do that sixth event like immediately after the fifth event when you know there's a tie involved, you're not going to wait an hour, hour and a half to all of a sudden say, let's do a sixth event. And I'm not suggesting anybody at this show thought that that was going to happen. Uh, what I'm saying is, is that there's, the producers of this show, Tyler included, decided that no, there's only one way to do this, and that's to bring all three guys into the final and have a 12-man final instead of a 10. Uh, they had to wait on one group of people to decide that for them, and that was ESPN. So there was a lot of, boy, it was thick there. It was thick. That drama was thick at the end because you had McKeegan and Schwantz on the outside looking in. If ESPN said, no, we only wanted 10 guys, those two would have been out, which, of course, as of what I'm about to tell you and how the show finished up, those two guys were vital in the way this show ended up playing out for Andrew Clayton and Dan Hughes. So moving on, uh, 12 guys in the final. Uh, a lot of guys didn't make it, as you know, uh, guys that we thought would be there. O'Connor and Nelson come to mind for me immediately. Um, and we start off with the Sear Dumbo. A Sear Dumbo was a shocking event to start off with uh, because five, I think, or six guys zeroed that event. Maybe seven guys. It was crazy, guys. Very few guys, I think maybe six, five or six guys actually got at least one rep. And to no surprise, listen, these guys are all capable of doing that 210, 220-pound dumbbell. The problem is, and talking to, of course, Nick Myers, and, and he's, nobody knows a dumbbell better than him, right? He's a world record holder in his, in his class. You know, he's going on to say how different that sear dumbbell is compared to a mammoth or compared to a rogue or compared to any of these other style dumbbells out there. If you don't have an opportunity to train on that, uh, it could be a little bit... Uh, it could be a little bit difficult to perform. 
And we saw that. This is another example of that. And I think that's why it's important to continue to have the conversation, not to get off on a tangent, but we talk about strongman standards. Um, do we have just one dumbbell to represent the entire sport? You know, I'm not so sure, but we, we need to start having that conversation uh, because this is an example of that I think we can all argue. And the Europeans, of course, deal with a whole different set of you know obstacles over there when it comes to their type of equipment as well. And if we want to start competing internationally together, well, I think some would argue maybe we have to standardize a few things. And I know that's a conversation for another day, but a conversation that has to be had. Uh, at some point, a few of these things, including judging, which we didn't have any judging issues here, not implying that. We need to start standardizing, and I'll preach it over and over again, guys. You know, I'm a part of that 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 group that agrees with some standards in our sport are necessary to bring our sport forward into the future. So the sheer dumbbell definitely was an obstacle for half this field. It divided the field up, you know, immediately, which you didn't see that in years past. I mean, it was close from the start to the end, and I think five or six guys were in contention for the podium last year. Really, as we got down to the fourth event, there there was three, maybe four guys. Provenzano, I think, and Mays were kind of right there in that fourth and fifth spot. I think Mays had a legitimate shot to get back to the podium, but when I get on to tell you what happened with Stone over Bar, you're going to hear why maybe that didn't happen. And again, I'm not so sure that would have mattered at the end. But these guys, uh, Dan Hughes, McKeegan, and, and Clayton in particular, uh, were uh, first, second, third. Uh, Clayton was third going into the final event. Uh, McKeegan was second. Dan Hughes was first. I think they were all within like two points one another. It was so, so tight. Point and a half, maybe. It was very, very close. And it really came down to that last event. And what they did is they changed a little bit with the stone over bar this year for reps. Um, last man standing, that is. A 350-pound stone, just like last year, same apparatus. It was gr great. You guys know the drama that was created last year. The difference was last year you had 30 seconds to load the stone over the bar, and if it didn't go over the bar, but you still had time on the clock, you were able to relap, reload the stone, and get it over the bar. Uh, I prefer that uh, to take nothing away from the way they'd made the rule change. My vote is let's go back to that. Let's never do what they did this year. Um, they had a stone over bar this year, but if you lap the stone at that point, if you drop the stone at any time, your turn was over with. So one mistake when it came to cleaning that stone over the bar, uh, and if you made a mistake, you weren't going back, and that changed everything at this event. I'm here to tell you it changed everything. Um, Dan Hughes needed... Let me, let me back up here. How can I say this? So Dan Hughes needed to be within one man of Andrew Clayton, as it turned out. So Andrew Clayton did the most stones. Uh, he did the most reps, that is. Bob Schwantz, the king of stones, I like to call him. He's a guy that short stature that just knows how to load a stone. He had a great performance last year at Clash. I think one of the, the best, if not the best, stone loading performance, him and McKeegan, honestly. Uh, the, and he was, I mean, these are a lot of them last year again, cause they had the opportunity to load that stone, even if mistakes were made. Um, we saw, I think 10 or 11 reps out of Bob and, and 11 or 12, he got one better Dan, uh, Andrew Clayton than, than Bob did. But the difference was that Isaac Mays dropped a stone. Um, he dropped a stone. I think it was his third rep or something crazy. It was just sort of a, a nutso thing. Like all of a sudden he was done and like, everybody's looking around going, what he's done. Yeah, it really, it it really sort of, it provided an opportunity for things to stay a bit tighter at the top than maybe they would have otherwise. Not to suggest that any of these guys wouldn't have got the job done, but if it wasn't for Bob Schwantz, Bob and Matt McKeegan positioned themselves between Dan and 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 uh, Andrew, and uh, Dan ended up taking fourth place on the event, and Andrew only needed those two points, then the leapfrog both McKeegan 
and Dan Hughes to get him to the top of the podium. So it was very, very close at the very end. And that's what we like to see in a fifth event of these shows. Very, very close. Uh, I think anybody would say, if we're going to have a show of this caliber, we want it to come down to the last event. And I will tell you, last year we had five or six guys it came down to. Uh, this year we had three, eh, maybe fourth in that peripheral to get to that third place spot on the podium. But we didn't see quite the dramatics that we saw last year in the fifth event that I think everybody was hoping for with that stone over bar by adding that rule in that limited the amount of time competitors had. And if they made a mistake, of course, they weren't able to uh, reload the stone to get it back over the bar. Some would argue because that event last year lasted like an hour or 45 minutes, I think. They didn't want to replicate that for television. Um, I guess that's probably a good reason, right? I mean, you have to make these kind of changes to accommodate getting a better production down that more people can see. But I think if that wasn't a factor in a show or any show moving forward, that nobody should consider it doing that way, let these guys go uh, just like it was done last year. I think we're going to see a, just a bit more of a dramatic product or dramatic competition, uh, much like we did last year. So competition was great. So there's your winners, right? Uh, love them, hate them, indifferent. Uh, the guy called his shot again. Congratulations, Andrew Clayton. Uh, you did, once again, what you said you were going to do with a chip on your shoulder. You wear your emotions on your sleeve. You're a tenacious competitor. Uh, you didn't let anything stand in your way this year, and I give you my hat off, sir. You did a great job. And, uh, again, uh, Andrew's the kind of guy that, you know, you got your you got your own feelings about this guy. Everybody does out there because uh, he's an exciting guy to watch, and he wears his emotions on his sleeve. But there's one thing we'll never argue about that guy. Uh, he was a great, a great strong man. Come to find out, you know, he's retiring. I talked to him. He's done with the sport. He's been in it 13, 14 years. He's going to focus on training guys for the sport. And I got a sneaky suspicion we're going to see him again. If somebody says the wrong thing to Andrew Clayton, he just might come back and say, okay, I'm going to do this again just to shut you up because uh, he did it. Uh, pretty much to the whole world this year as he came through with that clash on the coast qualifier uh, of course his osg victory now his 105 uh, championship as well at clash on the coast so congratulations that's all i can say about that um i did a great interview with him too make sure you go watch that so the women um let me of course let me say dan hughes and matt mckeegan too i don't want to forget those two listen these are these are perennial performers what i really love about and i've said this before to all you guys I love our champions. I love our guys that are always fighting for the podium. I mean, I love those one-offs as well. I love those guys that get to that point where they're fighting for the podium and become a part of the conversation. Like much of that field didn't clash or have been in clash, right, over the years at every contest that they participate in. But, you know, Dan Hughes just amazes me. He's just – I had a great interview with him leading up to the show. He's a technician. He's a consummate performer when it comes to what he does. Uh, and he's a guy that's just always going to contend there. It's nuts to see what Dan Hughes does. Um, and I can tell you, he's got, I think he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder right now. I think Dan is going to move forward in 2023 and 2024. And he's going to have, I, I, I really do. And I didn't talk to him. I just kind of get this vibe from him. Like uh, he's going to step it up a little bit. I, I think Dan doesn't want to be the bridesmaid anymore. I think he wants to be the bride. And Matt McKeegan, I know that's what you're thinking as well. I mean, these guys are always there, and it's just fun to see these guys come up from the pack and know that outside of a one-off in a competition, that 9 out of 10 shows, they're going to be the ones pushing the top of the podium and pushing guys ahead of them and, and having guys chase them from behind. So I didn't get a chance to sit down and talk with Matt like I wanted to. We ran into the elevator together. 
uh, next day and it's just hard to catch up with everybody and he's a guy that i wanted to i had a lot of great conversations poolside with him another great personality in the sport of strongman and uh, I, i'm going to look forward to seeing him soon and, and you know what uh we'll see these guys on the top of a lot of podiums in the next couple of years so we'll get to know him pretty well and i hope the rest of the public out there does as well so getting out with the women um I didn't see a lot of the women because I was busy doing a lot of interviews that, that third day, although I did catch the last couple events. I, did, I, did, I caught the truck medley. Um, I know that. I uh, frame uh, deadlift. I caught that as well. So I was catching kind of the show in and out. Uh, nothing to take away from any of those women, though, because I talked, I think, to just about every one of them. Um, I did interview Summer Johnson, who was your first place winner. Welcome back, Summer. You did it with authority. Uh it was really kind of her show at that point. Jody Kennedy to her, Jessica Mitchell. That's the way that she finished up, one, two, and three. I think going into the show, we kind of all sort of saw that podium, and that would have been our trifecta call leading up to it. I mean, there were some great competitors there. You know, a couple of my favorites, of course, because they're from the Great Lakes community. You know, Emily Flowers and, and Katie Gutwald. Uh, that Sophia, that 17-year-old girl there, uh, very fun to watch her compete. She's like partying in the pool like the night before, swimming her ass off and stuff. Sophia, don't do that at the next show. Stop that now. You got to be just like everybody else and get your body ready to compete. And, you know, that's what we get from these young competitors, right? They're they're invincible. And maybe that didn't hurt her at all. Listen, I think she finished like ninth or 10th place, but she did well. I saw some of the events she was in, and she's, listen, she's dealing with these pro women, for God's sake. And she's 17 years old. You don't think that girl's going to be on the top of the podium very, very soon. And as much as she loves strong woman, like she told me, like I'm in love with this sport. I'm never leaving this sport. I'm, I look forward to getting better in this sport. Uh, if that doesn't excite you, because this girl's going to be one of those names to watch, like some of the names that we recognize coming up through the sport right now, but for years to come. So imagine that, how good and what a perennial contender she's going to be year in and year out. So, you know, the women were awesome to watch, and I'm so grateful to the clash crew and and sort of the clash you know the the show itself to allow these 82 women over the last couple of years to also be in the spotlight on espn and have an opportunity for another class to add that second class to this show and everybody loves it i except probably the women right because they got to wait until sunday to compete so they're not really enjoying uh hilton head island like a lot of us were by saturday or, or, or friday or saturday night but in any case uh they're down there in the pageantry of it all and oh uh uh, Carly Oliveira as well. I got to give a shout out to Carly. Carly comes into this show, lean as she ever is. If you guys know who Carly is on, on Instagram, I think she changed her handle now. But she's a 73 competitor. I know she weighed like 75 kilos at this show. She wasn't much bigger. But damn, she's in good shape. And this girl is just, her story is great. Go watch that interview I did with her. She competes in everything, guys. Bodybuilding, CrossFit, Strongman. She's in impeccable condition. And I would argue she would win the award for most athletic, strong woman in the sport year in and year out. Um, she's just amazing at her ability. And she held her own. I think she took fourth place. Uh, fourth or fifth. I think, Carly, you corrected me on it before, and I'll have to do it again. But it was fourth place, I think. Uh, which is amazing if you look at her i mean she was outsized for sure and out and she just i mean she doesn't she doesn't lose shows because of her athleticism i'll tell you uh and if she wanted to be heavier she could be and she'll be a hell of a lot stronger but talking to carly she's the kind of girl that just wants to kind of be where she's at she owns that and i can appreciate that so oh uh, that was a lot of fun talking to her as well so here's some one-offs for you um logistically the show went great production wise it went okay Listen, we all missed ADL. I'm not going to lie. I, I, listen, I, I don't want to bash any company. I'm not. Some companies know how to do this stuff better than others. 
And it was perfectly obvious that we all missed ADL at this show. We did. Listen, when Yanni's mic went out, not just one day, but two days, and we have a commentator commentating the show with no mic, boy, he was screaming a lot. He got the job done, thank goodness. And kudos to you, Yanni, for doing that. Uh, and the show must go on, right? Um, these are just sort of the little intangibles that at this level of the show you never want to see happen. And again, I'm not rubbing salt in the wound here. I was just a little bit shocked to see that a production company that they had there didn't have the ability to, you know, make these sort of, you know, these fixes on the fly, much like, you know, and again, you guys know how I feel about Don at ADL. Listen, nobody's better at doing this sport than them. That's a fact. And if anybody's getting a strongman live stream done at a high-end show like that, uh, yeah, you're going to want to work with ADL in the future. So I'm more than certain that this, the pro strongman league uh, is going to have ADL in as a as their production uh, people on the back end of that, which means that I may be there as well helping Don out, which I look forward to, and that and many shows in the future. Um, but, yeah, that was a little bit of a setback there. I didn't like that at all. Um, and missing that sort of camaraderie as well. I think when we have people in the sport that are a part of these shows that not only do they lend their professionalism and what they do to these shows, but they also lend a bit of the family environment, the camaraderie of it, right? The idea that we're all a part of this sport. And, you know, ADL is a perfect example of that. And I hope that the Gym Life podcast, people think about my show like that as well, that you just create this ecosystem of people that, you know, just sort of belong there. And I felt like there's a little bit of disconnect with kind of production, the way they were working there at this particular show. Brittany Diamond was there, of course, and we all love Brittany in the sport. She's pioneering her own way as a commentator in this sport. I love it. She's everywhere and doing a lot of fun stuff. I had an interview with her. That was another highlight of the weekend for me because I've been chasing her down for a couple of years. Uh, she's one of the best when it comes to commentating these this sport because, you know, of course, as we all know, she competed. So it's very easy for her to adapt to any situation, which I know she did plenty of times at this particular event. Uh, of course, Liz and Laz, uh, shout out to those guys as well. I had a chance to talk to Laz a little bit. He's making his comeback. He's I can't wait. I laugh because he looks fucking fantastic. This guy looks great. Athletic as hell. Uh, you know, he's still as big as a house, but uh, he's moving well. And, of course, if you watch his videos, he's deadlifting. Uh, he, he just looks great. He's going to do OSG, the 40-plus class. Um, man, oh, man, that's going to be a stack class. We'll talk about that in the future. Of course, uh, Panda, of course, I had a great conversation with her. I think I mentioned that. I just don't want to miss anybody. Oh, uh, Provenzano, thank you for your shirt. That was fucked up. Listen, Tyler told me to go grab a shirt out of a box. I grabbed the shirt. Lo and behold, I didn't realize I had your name on the back of it. <laughs> so I stole his shirt the whole day. Um, nobody even let me know this until he did like the next day. Like, hey, you stole my shirt. Uh, he was just fucking with me a little bit, having fun. But hey, listen, I'm your biggest fan. I am now, anyhow. Of course, I'm going to wear that shirt in all the gyms that I go to. And they're going to say, who's this guy? I'm going to say, oh, oh, this is this guy, Provenzano. He's like one of the best strongmen out there. And I'll talk to you, and I'll talk to them about you. And and then, of course, I'll talk about you on the show, and then I'm going to have to interview you on the show, so we're going to talk about you. So it works out perfect. I am your number one fan now because I plan on wearing that shirt everywhere. But in any case, uh, that was cool. That was cool. That was cool. Oh, the sponsors, First Form, Hosswear, thanks for my shirts. I know, right? I'm, I'm not giving my acceptance speech right now, but First Form and their fucking protein uh, bars and their beef sticks. Oh my God, nothing gets better than that. I, I got a few in my bag when I was coming home. Uh, of course, Cerberus is there, and I had an opportunity to talk to Cal Liptrot as well, the uh, CEO or the supreme leader of Cerberus. And if you guys had a chance to see that interview, go to that. But yeah, on and on and on. But welcome to the uh, Strongman Professional League, or uh, what is it? PSA, Pro Strongman League, PSL, Pro Strongman League. We know a lot of information is coming out about that right now on the, on the internet. 
uh, through a lot of the interviews that Tyler's doing. Uh, I'm going to catch up with him, and we're going to figure out a way to connect on a lot of these questions that I'm, I'm hearing out there and talking to other guys about, and I know he's going to be ready to answer. Um, and uh, we're going to have some fun moving forward with this league. I think we can all recognize that that's going to be a uh, show that's going to take all the good intangibles that Clash uh, provided for us on all levels, including opportunity for all of us to have a seat at the table and all these other classes to shine as bright as the 105 class did. And I can't wait to see what's in store for us uh, moving forward when it comes to the Pro Strongman League. So stay tuned. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'll get with Tyler and uh, we'll uh, keep plugging away with some of these questions we got as we move forward with that new organization. Uh, good to see. Congratulations. Uh, so, yeah, that's about all I got for you guys today. We're going to move into another segment, of course, uh, which is called our uh, Nobody Likes to See That. 